Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Oh, hey there. Welcome back, Solar Warrior. Happy Friday. I love the Friday crowd. You are such committed, infinite learners. Hey, if you're unfamiliar, we call this Flashback Friday, and it's my way of giving you a glimpse back at something we did recently that I think you should have a listen to. Whether it's content from one of our many live events, like the SPI Podcast Lounge, or perhaps a replay of older archived episodes that have garnered thousands of downloads, or maybe just a glimpse at what was published on the podcast this last week. This is yet one more way that you can learn and grow with us here on Suncast. Remember, you can always find the resources and learn more about today's guests, recommendations, etc. on the blog at mysuncast.com. So get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another powerful conversation here on Suncast. We are back live at the Podcast Lounge, live here at Solar Power International 2019. This is going to be a fantastic session, folks. If you, like many of us, are struggling with your marketing strategy, you are in luck. Because we have the best and the brightest in the marketing industry right here at this table. None other than Deborah Nucky from Kite Rocket, Mike Casey from TigerCom, Keith Zackheim, from Antenna Group, and Lauren Glickman, our host for today's session from RenewCom. We're going to be talking about the tips and tactics, strategies, and ways that you, generally speaking, can and should take your marketing to the next level as we look into 2020. There's no rear view right now. This is all looking forward. With that, I'm going to hand it off to our host for the day, Lauren Glickman. Thank you so much, Nico. Um, so to kick everything off today, I'm going to give our uh, panelists and experts an opportunity to, inter- to showcase their voice uh, with our first question. So before, as you answer this question, make sure to say your name so we know who's talking. Uh, and uh, we'll move around that way. Uh, so the first question I have as we looked towards 2020, what do you see as some of the biggest um, marketing trends that are facing the clean energy sector. And so I'll start with you, uh, Mike. Um, I think that, that probably the, the macro trend right now in clean economy marketing is um, great momentum, lots of ground to cover. And I say lots of ground to cover because of something we call the clean tech marketing paradox. Super smart people, game-changing products, killer engineering, legacy marketing. Um, I don't know about the other people at the table, but I, you know, I'd probably get a call once a month asking me for a, a Wall Street Journal profile. And um, 
the it's a sign it's kind of it's 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 one metric but it is a barometer of the the hold that legacy marketing has over our companies traditional media big banner media still has a role but its its role has changed it has a validating role it does not have a lead gen or investor gen role anymore and largely it's because of the change in americans buying patterns which we can talk about more i don't want to dominate but yeah okay um keith yeah so keith zackheim uh with Antenna Group. And first of all, it's a pleasure and really an honor to be sitting here with Mike and Deborah. They're both, uh, you know, just fantastic marketers who have stellar reputation. So it's great to have this conversation. Um, and yeah, I mean, what Mike said is, is pretty much spot on. I mean, you know, there's traditionally uh, been a public relations function, which we refer to as media relations and thought leadership <laughs> and that type of stuff, which was more around brand and um, and halo effect and credibility of, of, of media relations and what that accomplished. Um, and then there was marketing, and marketing was always a little more around uh, sales, lead generation, demand generation. Uh, and there's been a blurring of those lines over the last number of years. You know, our agency acquired a digital agency two years ago because we felt that for our clients, and we're also only B2B, energy technology being, you know, one of our practice areas and a big one. But for us, it was, for our clients, in good conscience, we couldn't say to them, you have to just do media relations to get where you want to be. You know, we have to be both on the brand side, but also on uh, on the sales side and, and align with their sales and marketing. So we'll, I'm sure we'll get into some of the new technologies and platforms that are around, but that's kind of how I would frame the issue. Okay, thank you. Hi, it's Deborah Nucky. I'm with Kite Rocket. I'd agree with Keith that the uh, borders between um, content marketing and uh, the digital side of content marketing and PR are kind of beginning to blur. I think there's a lot of digital media that passes itself off as news, but is actually really, you know, as a former journalist, I find it almost uh, worrying to see how much of what looks like journalism is actually paid content or placed content. And I think those lines are blurring and clients are still learning how to play in the space of both legitimate PR and also using content in a way that's really effective. And I think as Mike was saying, um, a lot of clients have unrealistic expectations about how the outside world sees renewable energy. They are looking for the, the profile in the Wall Street Journal that everyone's looking for. But good journalists aren't looking to write about your company. They're looking to write about an issue and a trend. They're not looking to write about renewable energy. They're looking to write about energy. And they're certainly not looking to write about the nuances of the inverters that, you know, back in my day when I was doing... Um, at Enphase Energy, you know, a lot of what we were talking about within the industry was very nuanced stuff. If we're trying to talk to a larger audience, whether it's B2B or B2C, we need to begin escalating those conversations to big and meaningful trends. That makes a lot of sense. There's a little bit of feedback, but I think it's okay. Um, so, Lauren, I, I'll, I'll, uh, if I can add something. So, I, I have a friend who just went to a venture firm and he he used a personal connection to get um, to get the Wall Street Journal profile that all these people want. And his quote to me, thanks, his, his quote to me uh, Monday was, all the partners here thought that when this story hit, our phones would be ringing off the hook. It's day 10 
our lead flow from the story is zero. Zero. And the reason is because if you look at these devices that everybody's carrying around, we're spending 5.7 hours a day on screens. You have 15,000 messages on average that flood people's daily digital experience. Yeah. So even with the big banner outlets, you cannot escape the fact that we are in a long tail marketing world and we will not go back. So it's good to build up to Wall Street Journal level of attention worthiness. It's crazy to spend your money chasing that story and you can do that because if you cut the corner of not building program to use that Wall Street Journal story once it hits, you have wasted your money. Mm. And that's actually what I was going to um, build off of is you mentioned the importance of a Wall Street Journal profile or Bloomberg TV or whatever the main outlet may be as an excellent external validation. Um, but I'd love to hear what you guys think are some great ways to leverage that exposure once you get it. So are there certain digital platforms that you can use to promote it um, and then measure the success to actually drive business for a company that you're representing? Um, yeah. And I, I think that, that, that that's the most salient point here, right? So we're talking about repurposing that kind of content. Uh, and the beauty of marketing today, which you know, nobody at this table had 10, 15 years ago, was the ability to really micro-target audiences in a meaningful way. So you know, we're, we're pushing our clients, for example, towards LinkedIn. And LinkedIn's done a fabulous job over the last number of years of, to me, being the best social platform for B2B audiences. Uh, so you get that Wall Street Journal piece. Uh, and... You know, Mike's 100% right. I mean, maybe people are seeing it, maybe they're not. Maybe they're having it with their coffee, but not in front of their computer. Um, but you take that and you can segment out an audience exactly what, who you want to be reaching, understanding their, their title, their role, their region, what have you, uh, and tailor make a piece of content that's going to frame that Wall Street Journal story in a way that starts a business conversation. Uh, you can do it organically, although LinkedIn's gotten a lot smarter. And like Facebook, miraculously, the organic stuff gets better once you start paying for things. Uh, but but that, that's how I, you know, we would handle it. Yeah, and just building off of LinkedIn, too, I would definitely encourage people to look into LinkedIn's lead generation forms that um, are just amazingly optimized, originally just for mobile devices, but now they work on desktops as well. And you could actually run an ad targeting people likely to be at a trade show like this one um, with that piece of content and have your calendar filled up with um, really great leads. Um, but other thoughts on that, Deborah? Yeah, I think one of the things that a lot of uh, clients forget is that it takes a lot of touches before you can necessarily get an engagement. And especially so, in our business, right? Absolutely, you know I mean? yeah. We're not selling small consumer widgets. Right. And so the client that sits there and says, you got me in X, but there were no leads or there were only two click-throughs from that article that came to our blog post or our site or whatever, they're missing the larger point, which is you've got to build the voice over time and you've got to look at sales attribution. So maybe you don't get a single lead from that, but maybe your salesperson closes a deal faster. Maybe there's a way that your interactions are reinforced because a salesperson is able to share an article with their clients and it gives them another reason to touch base and to, to kind of reconnect. Because ultimately, PR is traditionally very much top of the funnel, 
But one of the challenges in renewable energy is 900% of what I do is really bottom of the funnel. There's not a lot of people out there in the renewable energy world who don't know our clients' names and haven't heard of them. So a lot of what we're doing is trying to re-engage them, get a larger share of wallet. And that involves finding ways to get these deeper conversations and to keep sounding fresh. You know, what's new today? And uh, a lot of the stuff that people might have think of as being lead generation is actually about deepening those conversations with existing clients. I think clients. what you're hearing from the three of us also, I mean, this is sort of a therapy session for Mike, Deborah, and me about <laughs> what we have to be telling our clients all the time. Yeah. Um, but what it does, I think, reflect is there's a real educational process here, right? I think the, the B2C world, those companies get this because it's been that much more important to them yesterday to get it done. The B2B right. world is a little slower at adopting this stuff. And it's incumbent upon us to educate our clients and really advocate for doing things in this way. Uh, so as we educate our clients, um, the next thing I'd really love to talk about is how you measure success for your clients. So what would you, you know, how do you set your clients up to understand, you know, that their money has been well spent um, and what you've done has provided value to them um, as a business? Because I will be the first to say that if you're going to invest in marketing and communication and have it done well, it's not going to be cheap. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, Mike, if you'd like to kick us off. Yeah. I, and I'll, I just want to surf on a point that uh, Keith made. We, we wrote a book called No Time for Legacy about a year ago, and we basically arranged the economy on a number line. And at one end were what we call um, digital players exclusive digital players. These are companies that have very low bricks and mortar presence. They have point of purchase websites. Those guys, Amazon's the outlier example, but take Thrive, Thrive Market, which is basically the online rival to Whole Foods. They don't sell produce, but they sell pretty much everything else. If Thrive Market doesn't get digital, mm-hmm. they die. They don't even grow. They just die. And as you go on the number line over to the big B2B industrial players, Take like Macy's, shopping shopping chain near me. You can buy uh, the shirt that I'm wearing. I bought it online. The suit that I'm wearing, I shop for it online, but I bought it in a store. If Macy's doesn't do digital well, they die. They just die more slowly. What that means is that our folks, right, clean economy is 80% right now B2B. Our folks have not historically had a reason to get digital right. So all of the best practices on digital are down at the B2C goal line. None of it's at the B2B. The good news is that our folks are not selling to millions. They're selling to thousands. Yeah. And that means that, to Deborah's point, the, the magic of a Wall Street Journal story comes in how well you have synced your marketing and your sales functions. There is a point where I'm going to hand off this inbound lead over to Keith, my sales colleague, and he's going to pick up the conversation. If our websites are optimized for inbound, I, I can tell Keith with some precision when this lead is ready for him to contact. I cannot tell you the number of clean economy companies who rely, who shift, who put all of the customer education burden on sales staff. It's crazy. Yeah. It just, it's, it does not reflect the way Americans buy anything other than an impulse purchase. 
Hey, you know, the vast majority of commercial businesses who want to purchase solar just can't get a cost-effective PPA because they are unrated or below investment grade. But our partner, Energetic Insurance, can help you unlock this huge market opportunity by covering off-taker payment default risk. This enables savvy developers like you and the banks that you like to work with to do more projects and deploy more capital. If you want a fast and simple way to finance your commercial solar projects, even the big complex ones, go to mysuncast.com forward slash energetic and submit your projects today. 70% of projects qualify and the review process is drop dead easy. So go to mysuncast.com forward slash energetic to get started. Hey, are you losing commercial solar sales because of high demand charges that minimize the ROI for your customer? Extensible Energy's Demand X software is an affordable new solution for reducing peak demand charges by 30%. No batteries required. Extensible's intelligent software analyzes solar production, utility rates, weather data, and more. Then it crunches that data, monitors solar and flexible loads, and automatically reduces peak demand spikes, increasing your customer's ROI and decreasing payback time. Head to extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast for a free demand charge analysis for your project and to learn more about Extensible's partner program for commercial solar installers. You can learn more at extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast. Also, one more quick reminder that on this Giving Tuesday, there are two ways that I'm giving back to you. Number one, I'll be giving away one membership to the Suncast Guild, our inner circle of tribe members. Only two ways to get an entry to that by joining the Suncast Tribe mailing list or by taking the listener survey. Both are easy to find at mysuncast.com and both give you an entry into this giveaway. And the second thing is I've decided to give away 30 minutes of clarity coaching for everyone who fills out our coaching application. Just click on the work with me button and fill out that application. I typically charge $150 for a 30-minute clarity call for folks that are looking for some direction in their career or or whatever they might be uh, seeking in terms of advice. So do take advantage while the offer stands. Coaching applications close on December 15th. And I think you also see... The salespeople want to own 100% of the relationship once it's gone over the fence. And I'm I don't, not sure if you were just promoted or demoted, but uh, if, if Keith, the salesperson, is uh, working with a client and has had a long-term relationship, how do you attribute marketing's impact and how do you attribute what we're doing to reinforce an increased share of wallet? And I think that's where... If it's seen as, and and particularly in the organization, if it reports in very separate ways and it's seen as almost competing for the rights to attribution, you end up setting up something where sales gets defensive. Marketing is kind of begging for a a pat on the head for saying, you know, yes, we help that. But I think once you're in that bottom of the funnel, once you're really trying to deepen the share of wallet, attribution becomes very difficult. But... You have to lean also on some of those softer factors. Do the sales people feel they have the right tools? And are the digital conversations with existing clients reinforcing or taking away from sales conversations? Because 
you have a range of salespeople. You have some folks who are great and have really tight relationships, but digital can also fill the gap for the mid and longer tail clients that don't have a dedicated salesperson. So it can, it can make your sales team look bigger. It doesn't have to be seen as marketing. It can be seen as a sales conversation that's digital. Yeah, I think De- Deborah you know, maybe stole my thunder a bit on this, but what I was going to say is, um, you know, uh, so we're, we talk about metrics and, and what makes a successful account. So our clients very often, you know, we, we encourage them to lead that conversation for us. And you tell us what's the business outcome you want from all this. But what's great for traditional PR firms that are now doing digital as well is that in the past, you know, we could offer certain metrics, but the, attribute, the ability for, for attribution and measurement was limited. Um, as you get now into this digital world and marketing automation world uh, and all the different marketing technologies out there, opportunities for attribution, opportunities for measurement, transparency uh, are exponentially greater. Uh, and... So that's kind of how we're framing the conversation with our clients is you tell us a business outcome. Now we're going to give you the solutions that can give you as much transparency, attribution, measurement to enable you to make the decisions, not just how we're performing, but where we should continue to allocate money, right? So if LinkedIn is the channel that's spearheading those conversations, nurturing, to your point, nurturing the sales process, right? Let's allocate more money there than maybe on Google search. So it's an exciting time in that respect. And also, by the way, for traditional media relations and public relations, some of these tools now are enabling us to measure them better as well. I'll give you, and I'll give you three specific answers for the folks out there. One of them is, are your number of sales touches required for your sales team to complete a sale, is that holding steady? Because if it is, you're winning. Because the number of touches required to sell now goes up. So if we're leveling it, Marcom is doing its job. Number two, this is a very simple test. You can go in and ask the salespeople, what are the first three things you almost always have to tell a new client? Hmm. Right? And track once Marcom begins a digitally a digital program based on content integrated with sales, do those three items change? Are they less basic? more lower in the funnel points. If, they, if your sales staff is being freed to do the work that only they can do, which is the more customized, tailored um, estimates and predictions of product benefit, then your Marcom is successful. Mm-hmm. That said, um, when I was going to graduate school in PR back in 1986, which bums me out to say that, but um, eggheads in the PR profession were, were back then trying to determine if we could ever get to go from correlation to causation. Unless you're doing marketing for point of purchase website companies, it's still causal. Sorry, it's still correlative. And there's no getting around that. It, it, yeah. it just isn't. Because you, you, you pay, you pay, you pay, you get your big sale. And you don't know when it comes. Although, yeah, I mean, to be fair, David Hume would say that there is no such thing as causal anyway. It's all correlative, but we're not going to have to go into philosophy. Oh, um, I will say one thing, though, um, and I've been deputized by both Mike and Deborah as a salesperson. All right. And I think you guys would agree with this. There's nothing that salespeople dislike more than getting bad leads and oh, waste yeah. of time leads, right? So they call yes. it you know, it's a marketing qualified lead, the MQL, and the sales qualified lead, SQLs. And again, technology, if you harness it properly, can be fantastic for discerning the wheat from the chaff. Yes. And that's all something that not only we have to do as agencies, but educate the internal marketing teams so that marketing and sales really are aligned and not at loggerheads. 
And so building off of that, you know, technology has obviously come a long way since 1986. Um, I was and, 12, by the way, so just, just uh, saying 86. So I was three. But Mike looks better than I do, so he's doing something right. <laughs> no comment. Uh, so um, as, you know... As companies are making investments in tracking all of these things, do you know the software that comes along to be able to measure attribution and come up with these really actionable metrics that you can use to determine how you're going to spend your budget? Um, do any of you have some favorite tools um, or software that you recommend clients invest in? Honestly, it's such a changing world that uh, what's great today may not be great, you know, five months down the track. I think part of it is not changing too often. Keep the tools running and working and integrated because the tools are only as good as um, the implementation of them. Uh, we tend to, with clients uh, on the digital marketing side, use, use um, SharpSpring and we also often use uh, Sprout Social for the social media because it's got good listening as well as great calendaring and it's easy to route things to clients for um, for sign-offs and so forth. But I think there's a lot of very sophisticated tools out there. There's not always a lot of bandwidth in either the retainer or um, on the client side to use a lot of the, these tools to the fullest of their ability. Yeah. Um, agreed. You know, I, I, I'm sure you've all seen that infographic where they have literally 900 different mark, yeah. you know, Marcom type of uh, or marketing technology uh, solutions out there. Um, you know, obviously all SaaS products and you get sucked in and people don't know how to use them. And, um, you know, Sprout Social, something that we use, TrendKite. Um, a lot of our clients, especially the larger enterprises, um, you know, their big uh, challenge is uh, getting all this data and now figuring out how to make it actionable, right? And there are tons of uh, different solutions out there for that. Um, but uh, that's something that Deborah's right. It does change by the day. Uh, and... Um, Again, a lot of solutions. Uh, I think the market itself will kind of consolidate, and 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 there'll be this kind of evolutionary process where the better ones will will win. Um, we we like um, we like HubSpot and Sprout. Uh, we just are going to start using um, uh, a, a a video content generation product that we actually it's early stage enough. We actually might do a strategic with them, so I'll keep them keep their identity quiet. But to Deborah's point, I think. Um, if it were me and I was running a clean tech company, I would once a year have the, Mar the MarTech, that's what they're called, the MarTech companies come in and represent to you hmm. because they do change a lot. And, the, and it's a very competitive space. The bells and whistles, it's not quite Moore's law in terms of the speed with, with which they're advancing, but it's, it's pretty fast. And, it's, and there's very impressive gains what you're looking for in general in these tools is how targeted can I get? Hmm. That's if I was going to give like a guide star on on picking Martech's pl software platforms. How targeted can I get? Yeah. I should have yeah. mentioned also, by the way. I'm sorry that we are we are a HubSpot agency, so that was one that should have come to mind first. But they're not me, they're not paying me to promote them, so. Uh, I also uh, will add a plus one for HubSpot, and they also yeah. have an amazing free set of tools too yeah. for any for company sure. that's getting started. <clears throat> and they just added email marketing 
to that. So one of the things that I would say to people is before you drop uh, four or five figures on software, see what uh, affordable options are out there. You to, mean the Salesforce trap? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Even if you're Salesforce for a nonprofit and uh, can yeah. get it for free, uh, it's never free. Nothing is free. Um, but setting up the free systems will let you see what your team actually has the capacity to manage um, before you spend money on something that's just going to be set it and forget it. Um, yeah, and I think if you take a SharpSpring or a HubSpot, what you're doing is you're saving your team from spending a massive amount of time on integrations. Yes. Um, the other thing we are seeing is companies beginning to come in with machine learning and, uh, and AI on the listening and the tracking side of things, and that's kind of really interesting where beta testing uh, one. So I think it's, um, th- there's some great stuff on the horizon as well. Um, so we have about five minutes left, and I imagine here at SPI where, as I've heard, there are over 20,000 attendees and lots of companies. Um, a lot of them might be looking for an agency like any of ours um, to hire to do marketing and communication support coming out of the show. And so what advice would you give to anyone listening right now on what they should look for when they're hiring a marketing or communications agency? And I'll start with Deb. Okay. The number one rule is to screen for competence and hire for chemistry. You're really uh, looking for an agency that understands your industry at some level um, I think the deeper they understand the industry, the less of your retainer gets eaten up by explaining to them what, uh, you know, what topology means in reference to a utility scale, uh, you know, what, what merchant markets are, things like that. If you've got to explain the very basics to your agency, um, you, you're probably not going to get things back from them that don't need significant editing. And then... The other thing is, you know, there's, there's really a relatively small handful, I think, uh, this, this desk has most of them, agencies that really have that deep knowledge. So part of it is also talking about conflicts, being really clear with your clients and saying, you know, how do you handle conflicts? Do you work with, you know, because some conflicts are very kind of edge, edge case as well. You know, it's not that um, our client is a storage company, for example, but our client might integrate with a certain storage company and we might represent another one. So how do you work with those sort of issues? So that's a really important conversation to have up front. Yeah, so uh, echo Deborah in terms of uh, domain expertise. Uh, and you're right, I mean, the three people at this table, I mean, these are the agencies out there that really have that deep domain expertise. Um, uh, number, Don't be penny wise, pound foolish. And I'm not just saying that in a mercenary way because I want to get paid more, but the reality is, uh, that um, it, there are, you know, you want an agency to feel good about the fact that they are able to, um, you know, they're, they're able to give you a campaign that they believe is going to be successful, not one that's guided by a budget that at the end of the day is so restrictive that you're only getting piecemeal of, of, of what you need to be successful. Um, and the third thing uh, that I think, um, you know, is, is super important nowadays is, Again, I don't know that public relations, media relations is enough. Um, with the greatest respect to agencies that are only doing media relations, that's fine. It's certainly necessary, but it's not sufficient. So when you're looking for an agency right now, uh, make sure that they understand this changing landscape. They have case studies uh, of integrated campaigns that really are doing the best of, of both traditional public relations and digital marketing, um, and do it in-house. That's the other thing. Uh, you know, so... Uh, consultants and people that aren't inside the agency. Sometimes it works great, sometimes it doesn't, but the quality control can be more difficult, so look for that as well. Mm. Yeah, 
I'll, I'll, here's my list. Favor strategic conversations as opposed to RFPs. Uh, we, we've actually had a policy in the last year where we, we basically don't do RFPs anymore. We'll make an exception here or there, but I'll, but I'll tell you why. One, um, RFPs favor big agencies that give good meeting. They, don't, they do not favor expert agencies that are expert practitioners. Two, most RFPs are poorly constructed. They want you to diagnose their problem for free. They want you to conceive of and design the plan for free, give them some really killer usable creative for free, and then they'll just tell you if they're going to hire you to execute. For and they're us, probably rigged also half the time, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think everybody at this table has been severely burned yeah. by just many RFPs. So we just, we invite companies, we'll say, look, when I do RFP, but even if you're not, that disqualifies us from your process, come on in, we'll have a strategic conversation. Yeah. And we promise you will get value from it regardless. So mm -hmm. my, my number one thing is favor strategic conversations over RFPs, mostly because you will get a deeper look and more realistic look at the chemistry between you and those, that firm. Right. You are less likely to be baited and switched in terms of the, the level of account you'll be at. And then um, I think the, yeah, Hire people who are who have actually done what you need to have done. I, I there are so many people who did one big thing once in their career and they're still calling it in. That doesn't mean they know what they're doing or they have um, they have a big star power client, and that because it's a, a well known name that's supposed to translate into sector sector expertise. You cannot design good program unless you are a master. Of, a, of an industrial sector. It's impossible. So you can, you can get your money taken by people who don't know what they're doing and give good meeting. And I, we see plenty of that. And I'm sure people at this table end up coming in with, with shovels to scoop out the, the barn stall after that's done. But it's, it's not a pretty process. So. Um, well, thank you guys. I will also leave one parting tip, which is that before you meet with an agency, know how much money you want to spend Amen. and be Amen. very transparent about Amen. what your budget is. You're not yeah. doing anyone any before favors. Before we pitch, right? Yeah. You're not yeah. doing anyone any favors by asking uh, an agency to tell you how much it will cost. Yeah. Um, and so that is my final tip is know how much you want to spend and find an agency that can maximize that budget for you. Um, and that is my parting tip. Um, but it's been a pleasure chatting with you guys. Uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation um, throughout the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Take care. Wow. Well, that was our best attended session yet. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us here at the Podcast Lounge. The marketers now, got people to show up. Shop indeed. Day. Now you have uh, your strategy. You got your plan. Mike, you feeling confident about it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, guys, once again. We have the marketing roundtable. We'll have to bring you back next year and see if all these predictions came true. For now, we're going to roll into the next session here at the Podcast Lounge, sponsored by Radiant Re and Suncast Media. Well, that's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warrior. But if you're hankering for more, you can find the resources and highlights from this and every discussion, along with social media links for today's guest, book recommendations, and more on the blog at mysuncast.com. And that's also where you'll find other ways to engage with this Suncast tribe, like subscribing to our weekly emails, or even joining our exclusive inner circle we affectionately refer to as the Guild. If you've been wondering how you can partner with Suncast as a sponsor, 
get coaching from Nico to help scale your clean energy business, transition into the solar industry, or maybe just commune with other like-minded souls. You can find all that and more online at mysuncast.com. Check out the members section or the work with me section. We keep a running list of our live events where Nico is going to be in the world. I'm referring to myself in the third person here. I do travel a lot and we tell you, generally speaking, where I'm going to be on the website. And you can also learn how to participate and learn more from Suncast. Thanks again to our sponsors who help make this podcast possible. You can learn more about them and see if it's something that you'd be interested in doing at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.